0: You're listening to the Top Woman Business Unusual Podcast. Now, the Top Woman Business Unusual Podcast.
1: Learn from the greatest minds in business today. Interviews hosted
0: by Ralph Fletcher. Learn how to improve business, get tips from industry leaders, and be motivated by real life experience.
1: Top Woman Business Unusual So welcome to uh, TopCo's Business Unusual podcast and today I'm joined by Andrea Beaumart, who that's the English version, not the German version she is the, the co-managing partner at Knife Capital in Cape Town so Andrea, I've actually been looking forward to this for a very long time I know we spoke on the phone earlier this year in the, in the midst of this chaos, and we, we I saw you present at a deloitte 's function in Cape Town around how to get finance, grow networks um, and, and and certainly get money so i 'm lo- looking really forward to this podcast, but i mean h- how are you doing
0: well, first of all, good morning, Ralph. Thank you very much for having me. Well, how am I doing? Um, I am doing. <laughs> I'm doing well. I mean, it's interesting times, but I'm doing well. Can't I? I, I can't complain. I think my life is uh, relatively easy in comparison to many other people. So I'm good. I'm really good.
1: I was saying you look good. You, you've obviously, uh, you know, l- looking good and vibrant. But but I, I doubt it's all been good underneath that. It's been disruptive for everybody. Um, how, what have you found the hardest? The hardest part of COVID. For you what what do you found as the hardest thing to cope with
0: on a personal level there's two things so by nature i'm a control freak it's not something i'm very proud of but that's who i am i'm a control freak
1: is well, it the german COVID,
0: you? well maybe it is covid has taken away the control i'm out of control i cannot control what our president tells us to do in terms of what we can and can't do i cannot control the virus I cannot control how long it's take i cannot so for someone who's a control freak who who can deal with with, with as long as I'm in control to not be in control is something very very unusual and it took it uh, took getting used to and took letting go so I personally struggled a bit with that um second of all, I have definitely learned that I am a people person. So, given that during COVID a lot of very intense and tough discussions had to be had, for me to do this on the phone or via Zoom was difficult. So I really kind of at some stage got to the point where I just craved to go and have certain conversations face to face. I just wanted to go and meet with the people. so I think these are my two big learnings about myself, to be honest. That, that, that's, that was my my way of, of what, is, what has COVID taught me.
1: So I, I get you about the control thing. And I almost feel a little, bit, a little bit like most successful people in some way have to have some measure of control because it's the things they can control that they can improve, right? So, I mean, how have you handled that? How have you handled that? Having to let go of control. Is has it has it been invigorating for you, or has it has it been like okay, and then I've got to get other things? So for me, I've got to get control of my routine. <laughs> and, uh that, that was a really big thing for me at the beginning.
0: yes yeah, so um I think I had to on the one hand just accept it. I had to kind of go and, and try to kind of go and make the best out of it and to try to control that I can't control it. So therefore, what can I do? How can I kind of go and deal with it? So I just had to accept that, that like, I cannot go and really plan into the future and, and know when I can I go and, and fly again. And then certain things I just cannot kind of go and, 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 and figure out. So therefore, as part of that, I, I just have to kind of go and accept it and say, okay, fine, nothing I can do about this. What can I do something about and focus on those things?
1: So the things that are left within your control so i mean you, you guys have at knife capital have got some uh, really interesting investments that you've made and for me you know we were talking earlier you were saying all the plans that you had sort of got <laughs> ripped up <laughs> as with everybody so i mean did that teach you a valuable lesson for the future in terms of planning anyway for future organizations, does it, does, did you learn anything from that?
0: You know, it is interesting. So, for example, we are an investor in cricket, which is a ticketing, events, an events management ticketing platform, who was doing extremely well, growing like crazy. And within two weeks, their revenue went down to close to zero, because events were stopped. Now, what have we learned about this? I mean, I think the learning cannot be that now in every business plan there needs to be a a, a COVID scenario. The world is going to go and come to an end. I mean, we actually joked and kind of said, well, if in our strategy session in February, somebody would have kind of come up with a scenario that says there will not be any events. We would have laughed this off and kind of said, let's not waste our time. This is never ever going to happen. So let's just move on to something that is more kind of real. So I don't think we can move forward now to go and say, let's plan for, for those extreme cases. But what it has shown me is that this whole thing about you have to be agile or you need to be able to adapt quickly. This is for me the big learning. So I think, hmm. you, we, I think we all need to understand and embrace that sometimes things happen that are out of our control. And can you as an organization, can you as a management team, can you kind of go and, and deal with it? Can you kind of go and handle mm-hmm. to make changes quickly? Or do you become paralyzed? Are you like, but sorry, this is the way that we planned it. And now if this is not happening, the world's coming to an end. No, mm-hmm. we, need to, we need to go and get on it. I must say, I'm so proud of the entrepreneurs, not just in our portfolio, but in general that I've seen and how after that, said two weeks of depression and whatever, they all to some extent, came out and kind of said, okay, fine, let's stop feeling sorry for ourselves. Let's do something. And I think that is actually, for me, the big lesson, I think that is what maybe smaller companies are more capable of, of, of doing. And this is really what, what what it shows me, but it is this ability that we need to have
1: to be able to react quickly. For sure. I mean, we, we also they're above us, by the way, in our building. So um, so we had the same thing. We, we were doing events and publications and suddenly we couldn't do anything. And so we had to adapt. And, and I wonder, does that change now that your criteria for when you're looking for entrepreneurs and their teams? Or is it the, is it the leader or is it the team? Because you mentioned both. You said an entrepreneur and, his, and their team, her team, his team. Is it, is it both that need to have that adaptability quotient? And, and how do you measure that? I mean. <laughs> Tell me. Tell me. Um,
0: the leader chooses his team or her team. So the first thing, of course, is you need to kind of go and and, and look at at the individual slash the individuals and you will see and you can make a lot of judgment calls about them by seeing who they have surrounded themselves with. Um, and you will normally find that somebody who is like quite let's say open to risk and so on is most likely not going to go and surround themselves with very, very conservative kind of people. So um, it, it it normally does kind of go and, and, and shine. But, but I think one of the biggest challenges that we have, I think, in South Africa is, is that we have some amazing entrepreneurs who are great leaders as such, but to get this next middle management layer, because this is, of course, where you don't have the ownership anymore. So now it comes... A little bit back to the salaries that you pay and so on, and that of course is where competing against the corporates becomes a bit of a problem. So, so the point is to go and get that one right, so, because they are the ones who have to execute. So it, it, it is at the end, it is about both. It is about the leader and the team that he or she has managed to kind of go and, and, and surround themselves with. Um, how do you assess this? How do you look at this? Um, I mean, when we kind of go and speak to companies, we like to kind of go and, and challenge them and see how they how they react yeah. when you challenge them. I mean, do they just accept the challenge? Do they fight back? Do they become aggressive? Do they become defensive? Do they, you know, it's, it's small little things like like this. I mean, how do you kind of go and and how does somebody deal with being challenged with an with like a crazy assumption And and how wide can they think? But damn, give me give me the solution to how to kind of go and, and test for this, and I'll I'll absolutely embrace it. I don't know, it's it's gut feeling. To be honest, a lot of it is just having spoken to so many people, it's gut
1: feeling, and of course we sometimes get it wrong. But it is important to check those things out, right? And 100% absolutely. And and challenge people. And, and I suppose you know um, that that team part. I mean, what do you, what are you seeing organisations? Because there's lots of organisations that are now looking for the future so the organizations that you've worked with and successfully worked with how are they how are you seeing they getting good people on board you must be look, finding some sort of ways that people are attracting the right talent because it is mainly a salary thing I, I get the sense it's not no it's not so it's no. a very
0: interesting thing i think also something that that COVID has done now is you find those people who could not cope with the risk so you find those who not, everything is about security. So they don't care actually about salary. They don't care about, they just want to have a secure job. This is, so they, they couldn't cope with, am I going to go into What's going to happen? They, they really just don't. And then you found those who've now learned that they can cope with so many things. And actually are now far more into job satisfaction and and who they yeah. work with and and. To some extent, the, being allowed the flexibility, maybe to have a hybrid work structure, work from home, work, and, and so on. So, I think it has, people have become more defined, I think, because I mean, I think we all have to cope with an experience that has taught us something about ourselves. And people are now a bit more clear about what they want. And I think as an organization, you need to decide what kind of individuals do you want. Do you want to attract the ones that really love? security Well, then you need to also decide can I give this to them or are you now looking at those who can tell you the story of how they're adapted how they're kind of going to do things and then yeah you learn something more no salaries there's of course uh, there's, there is the affordability level there is the one I need mm. x to survive or to mm. to do what I need but then so many other things become more important and I, again I think um, Covid has made us more aware of it.
1: Mm. I mean, I know that your mandate is a growth organization. You're looking at helping organizations grow and with an emphasis on internationally. And I think that most South Africans, because of the way that RAND has sort of fluctuated in the political situation, you know, we said we might go into this. But I mean, there's there's a definite, you know, um, people are either leaving the country to seek employment anywhere else, or they have aspirations of taking their business somewhere else because of greater markets, certainty those sorts of things Um, but then you have organizations some of the big multinationals who've acquired businesses internationally and a lot of them have also failed when they've gone international because they don't understand those markets what advice do you have for entrepreneurs who maybe have been phoning you up and looking for financing but maybe you know have bootstrapped their business up until now and are looking for growth what are the what are the sort of the the things that you advise them to do i mean I did a podcast with the, with the guys from um, Get Smarter and they spoke to me about, they met um, someone internationally who suggests they read Scaling Up and they took on the Scaling Up methodology. Is it something like that? Do you believe that, that organizations need to embrace some sort of methodology and is there something that you, one methodology you prefer when you're working with customers?
0: So I think the first thing that as an entrepreneur you need to go and do is you need to be very, very honest with yourself and say, what kind of business do I want? Do I want a successful lifestyle business where I am still calling the shots? I earn a good salary, but if I want to go and go on two months leave, I can then do this. I don't have to go and report to anybody. Um, Sounds and- nice. Exactly. I mean I have one entrepreneur that I previously funded and subsequently I mean exited and he from now on says, I never ever want to take investors on anymore. I want to have a super successful lifestyle business. I don't want this stress of reporting to, to, to invest anymore. Not because of we were the bad ones, but, but I'm just saying. So but he has made a very conscious choice to say, I know that I could grow faster and I could do certain things if I would take external money, but I choose not to. I choose not to kind of go and do this. I, I want to be master of my own destiny. Just that's, so it's a decision. Then there are others who kind of go and say, I want to grow. I want to go and, and go international. I, I have, I want to dominate the world. I want to be a market leader. Again, understand why you want it. Do you want it because of money? Because of power? Because of, you want to be famous? Um, what is really, really driving you? And I think you need to kind of go and, and, and understand this and be very honest. Forget about what you tell potential investors, but first of all, for yourself. <laughs> what What is it that you really, really want? Now, taking on, External investors means you give up a certain amount of control. They have influence, they can lead to the things, they can kind of go and do things. And you need to kind of go and understand that it needs to be worth it. I mean, to kind of go and make this chain kind of change, you need to a, make sure that you are really aligned. shareholders and shareholder alignment is absolutely key. If, if if they want something else that what you want, it's 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 going to be it's it's going to be terrible. So you need to kind of go, and, and then, so then if you then decide you're going to go and you want to scale, you want to kind of go and, and do this. The school fees that you have to kind of go and pay, because you go into, you go outside of your comfort zone into something new. Whether it's a new market segment, a new vertical, a new uh, geography, dealing with new people, having to kind of go and manage remote teams, how comfortable are you? was becoming uncomfortable. How can you kind of deal with it? Who do you surround yourself with that can actually help you, can guide you? How much of it are you going to go and listen? Because not every guidance is the right one. Um, so for us, what is quite important is it's all, that people do their homework. We find that so many people go and they have seen that X, Y, Z, company X has just gone into the US and they have employed five salespeople there. So because Company X has done that, we are going to go and do this. Well, are they in the same segment? First of all, is it successful? I mean, come on, nobody talks about when it's not so. I mean, just because they have done it doesn't mean that it's working. the first thing. Second of all, can you compare yourself really? Is it the same thing? And I think the the one thing that often irritates me is is that entrepreneurs don't take enough time to plan, to, to to really think about it, do research, and make informed decision versus just making decisions. Uh, I mean, everybody talks about the agility and the speed to market that entrepreneurs have, and absolutely, this is a key advantage. But that doesn't mean that you should just kind of go and not plan, not think, not do your homework, not really kind of go and and think about what are the implications. If I now go and move my head office to somewhere else, if I employ now, five people in a different geography. What does it mean? Structure, reporting, payments, um, labor law, whatever. I find that doing your homework is what you really need to kind of go and, and, and do. And hopefully that is the one thing that investors bring, that they kind of go and force you to ask yourself the hard question: have you thought of this? Have you prepared for this? Are you sure that this is what you want to kind of go and do? So I haven't seen the one book that kind of go and, and tells me this is the the secret book now that it has the formula. And if you find one, please send it to me. Um, so I find it, it is different any every time. But the one advice I can really kind of go and give to people is, is please go and do your homework. Take some time thinking and not just do it yourself. Get let, let yourself be challenged. Please kind of go and uh, and. Present this to somebody, to somebody who's not just saying sure, but somebody who will kind of look at it and say, "I don't believe you." Or why are you saying this? And I think that is for me the first big step towards
1: scaling. Is is that honesty with yourself that time to plan, and and so you I mean you mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned the scenarios. What I find a lot is is there are some really good books about scaling and what to do. Too often, the more I read, the more I see these contradictory sort of assumptions with all of these questions. And you can, you can go yourself mad reading too much as well, I find. So, I mean, you, you know, you talk around um, informing and getting people around you. And, and I wrote the word down, trust, because it's, it's not necessarily how clever they are, but how much you can trust them. And trust isn't somebody who tells you yes all the time trust is about somebody who's gonna maybe be honest with you, with that feedback? It doesn't mean they're right, but they're gonna be honest.
0: For me, trust is the, is the key ingredient, is the, is the ultimate. I mean, you can romanticize it, but when we invest in someone, you know what, this is going to be a journey for the next five, six, seven years. And I can absolutely guarantee you that not everything is going to go well during those years. Now, there's a few things. Bad news travels as fast as good news. When things go bad, I mean, everybody is a good partner when things are going well. But, and it works both ways. How are you going to go and deal with the the bad times? And like for me one of the key highlights of any journey with one of our portfolio companies is, is when I get this phone call I remember the one entrepreneur uh, I was always the one we had our regular meetings and so on and all of a sudden he called me and said Andrea, where are you? I said I'm in Johannesburg can you please when are you flying back to Cape Town can you please come and see me? It's like hmm and he said well one time are you landing, it's at 6 o'clock. <laughs> Can you please come and see me? Yeah. Then the plane was delayed, so I arrived at 20 past 6, and I already have this message. Where are you? So this there was something. So I arrived at 7 o'clock in the evening, arrived in the office, and he looked at me, and he said, um, we are running out of money. My finance person has just kind of come, we made a mistake, and certain." So kind of formulas and there was one assumption that we made and one client has just kind of told us that they're closing doors so they're not going to pay us and we are now going to run out of money in three months. The nice thing for me was he got the message at three o'clock and he called me at ten past three and he afterwards said to me that for him the best thing was that I responded with, okay, how can we fix this? It is about trust. It is about trust to give the bad news and that the person, so I have to trust that entrepreneurs don't give me just the good news, the marketing pitch. I get that that's when when they pitch for the investment, but Mm. once we are in it together, I need to know both sides and I need to trust that I will get the real, honest information, and I get it in time. Entrepreneurs need to trust that as investors, we are also there in the bad days, and we don't start finger pointing, and we kind of go and say, how can we fix this together? So to be honest, it is actually all about trust, and trust can only be earned. Trust, you, you, need, to, you need to do it. You need to walk the talk. You need to really kind of go and do it. You can't just say, please trust me. You need to earn it.
1: I mean, we, we, we spoke about COVID and having these phone calls and Zoom calls and you wanting to get out and see people face to face. Was that part of it, not just your personality, but your, your gut, that you needed to build trust again with your partners? Was it about that? Was it about the, the, the personal interaction builds that trust? Or did you feel that that wasn't an issue?
0: I think it's more that there's a certain level of emotion that is not really, you can't really bring across via a video conference call. Yeah. I think, yeah. you know what, when you really talk about something that's that's hard, that's tough, if you have to go and make really difficult decisions and you know that the other side is struggling with it. I mean, yeah. some of our entrepreneurs had to retrench. Some of them for the first time in their lives. It was heartbreaking for them. Then it was tough. And to just go and guide them through this via a conference call, it's just difficult. It, it just wasn't, it, it didn't feel right. I would have wanted to kind of go and, and be there, I, wanted to, I would have wanted to be there with them doing it, just to kind of go and, 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 and support, and I think it's, um, there's just certain things, you know, you have to be there, and we couldn't be there.
1: Sure. So, I mean, moving on now, because, I mean, we spoke earlier and you were saying the first couple of weeks, first six or seven weeks of COVID was 95% of the meetings were from eight to 10 and, and mainly negative people were worried and lacking control and all those sorts of things. And you said things have sort of shifted a little bit more and we've seen the markets generally going up and there seems to be a recovery. Certainly in our business, you know, it, it's been different, but um, we're, we're in improving states. What are you seeing for the future? What are you seeing things that organizations should be doing from now in the next sort of three to six months? Where you seeing opportunities where organizations are getting it right? What are they doing, these teams?
0: So, again, it comes a bit comes back to you need to be. Flexible, you need to, but on the other hand, you need to focus. I, I, I think you need to really kind of go and say, okay, what is the one thing I can now go and, uh, with all the uncertainties? Mm-hmm. Let me now focus on this specific market or this specific activity, because this is at least now that I can ring fence and kind of go and control. And let's just go and do this well. Let's try to kind of go and start settling things down and start getting traction again, getting this, this feeling of we are moving forward again in, in, in something. And then, so I think if you now kind of go and start playing catch up on 20 different fronts, you're going to go and, and, and just lose it. Because again, there's still too much uncertainty. But if you're going to go and say, okay, here I know this one what I can do now. Let's go and do it right. And I think let's get everybody back into this, into this feeling of, of we yeah, are moving forward. I think that's, I think what is, what is, what is, what is really needed. It's also in conversation with clients and with everyone. I think mean, that is really something that is quite key. I think the one thing that that I'm really nervous about is is this whole work from home kind of thing. I think we all learned that we can work from home; that there is that we can get a lot of things done. I see some companies now getting into this. Maybe that is the way to kind of go and do this moving forward. And I personally feel there's now companies who are saying, well, we can get rid of offices, it's going to save us cost. Mm-hmm. And in the short term, that's fine. But I think they will lose the heart of the organization. They're the mm-hmm. pulse of the organization. Company culture, to do company culture remotely, unless you are a remote first company, you, you started the company, you've never ever had physical kind of premises. I think you, you really kind of go and, and lose the, the pulse of your business. Job, work becomes a job. And I've kind of felt it. I mean, normally you come on, you go to work and you enjoy this talk next to the coffee machine. You enjoy all those little interactions. When everything just becomes about your activity and your then it becomes, well, this is my task, this is what I get paid for it. Well then if somebody else gives you a different task or pays you more, you also move on because all the, the, the glue disappears. And I think we will the, the, the big learning at the moment is, is how to keep the glue. And really kind of go and make sure that in this, in this new world, we can kind of go and move on with a, with a different kind of scenarios. And I'm not saying everything goes back to normal because it, it, it won't. I mean, we definitely learned a few things, but I would warn companies to kind of go and think that what it is now should be the thing for the next, for the next two or three years. I, I think we
1: are at risk of, of losing a lot of what actually defines us. And that is the personal
0: interaction.
1: Yeah, I think think you could be right there. I mean, one of the things is culture is so important and it certainly showed itself for the last two or three years before COVID. And maybe one of the reasons that some organisations got through was because of their strong culture. And so building a company without that interaction or that culture of interaction, one wonders actually what the impact of that is going to be because it's almost an unusual and and we haven't necessarily found the rules what works and what doesn't work right now for that. Um, So I I noticed also as an organization, you don't just invest in tech companies, because I think that's the the assumption. (laughs) And one of the things I've also realized is that um, some of the traditional tech companies are moving into legacy areas. So, for instance, you know, Yuppie Chef moving into retail. Um, and, and so there is this transition. You've got Bathu Shoes, who we know has done really well, but they were in, in tech for two years selling online. And now they've got, I think they've had 15 store openings, about 10 of or 12 of those during COVID in South Africa. They've, they've grown massively in terms of their shoe brand retail and they're doing exceptionally well is, is that a is that a is that something for you in the future are you looking at maybe you know um like i know you got the the food drinks are you looking at organizations manufacturing organizations who and moving them into tech or are you looking at tech companies and move them into retail do you do you look at those sort of opportunities traditional um, businesses i
0: think we will still continue to focus on Predominantly tech, simply because that is our sweet spot. That's that's what we are used to. Um, however, tech for the sake of tech doesn't doesn't bring it. I mean, at the end, the technology is most of the time is the enabler. Is is, is how it gets done. It is at the end about the value that you create, but the customer experience that you create. I mean, uh, I know that people will kind of go and hate me for saying this, but if I kind of go and buy a car if i andrea buy a car uh, I like a fast car i like um, I like certain things I really do not care about the technology so it doesn't for me it doesn't it, it really doesn't matter how it gets done for me i want it needs to be accelerated it needs to do this i mean it has kind of certain a certain value it needs to create for me and And technology is just the way it kind of does it. Now, a lot of tech companies, they are of course very much in love with their tech. And we find that those who are more successful are the ones that really start understanding what is the value that their customers want to see. And if the value is not based on the tech, so in terms of retail, for example, if the shopping experience, the the e-commerce shopping experience it can be enhanced by actually walking into a store and having the, the touch and feel. If this is what the customers what makes the customer even more loyal to the brand, well then maybe that's what you have to kind of go and do. Sure, you can be successful the other way around, but what is the value for the customer? What do they want? What does it, if, if it enhances the value, then sometimes you just need, need to go and broaden. You need to kind of go and start looking wider. And I think for particularly tech companies, It is quite often difficult to see this simply because they are so in love with their tech they believe that tech is the value but as the experience is the value and i think the successful ones start understanding this and interpreting this and therefore widening their offerings
1: yeah for sure so i I know that you know you've got three principles it's um obviously networks Investing and then knowledge, right? And and like when you funding, yes, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, wow, I was I was in love with that little try thing you're going on there, um, and it was so relevant. But but also for us, what we see is is networks is really obviously very important. And I, I constantly I'm hearing constantly that organisations say they need more networks, so they have a good product and they, they're looking for new networks. Is that the biggest challenge facing startups and entrepreneurs?
0: I'm not sure it's the biggest challenge, but it can be the one that makes the difference the quickest.
1: Okay, So in a positive way.
0: In a, well, well, if you, if you mess up with the it can <laughs> <Yeah>. also be <laughs> negative. But, but the point is, if you want to find more clients, if you want to find more stuff, if you want to kind of go and and, and do all those kind of things, for you to kind of go and and do this, you can do it the hard way. You can kind of go and do cold calling, or you can do, I mean, I'm just, there's a lot of ways to kind of go and and do things. Or you have a network that you can reach out to and you get a trusted introduction, or you get a trusted referral, or you get a trusted opinion. So the, the, the point is, a good, solid network just simply makes things easier. That, that's just the way it is. It, it can fast track things. It can just, it, it reduces quite often a risk layer. And you know what? I think that is the biggest kind of advantage that kind of comes with it. Now, when it comes to network, I think it is quite important that if you're going kind to of go and start building it, it is, network is not a one-way street. So you can't just kind of go and say, well, here is the network and, and I am benefiting from the network the network also needs to benefit from you so it's it's give and take you need to kind of go Mm -hmm. and say, "Well, how do i contribute what do i have to kind of go and and, and add add to it you need Mm -hmm. to keep it alive you need to nourish it you need to kind of go Mm -hmm. and and understand that a strategic network can be so super important i mean Mm -hmm. i honestly believe i mean we get most of our deals through our network the most value add that we create is through our network um Mm -hmm. but it, it really, and I spent a lot of my time in my network and a lot, so a lot of times people ask me for a favor, ask me to mm-hmm. go and do certain things and I'll do it because, not because I get an immediate benefit from it, but because mm-hmm. that is just the way it works. I mean, you, you need to kind of go and and, and really Work and you have to be sincere about it and authentic. Mm. It also doesn't help to kind of go and say, I'm not trying to kind of go and create a network in whatever and and just try to fake it. Networks Mm. is something, it it is hard work, it absolutely pays if you have one, Mm. um, but you need to
1: be genuine about it. Yeah, because I think one of the things that I see is a lot of, certainly tech companies, they have a client, they have some good technology. But, but there seems to be a, almost a fear of networking or getting out there and meeting and growing. They know what they need to do. There seems to be uh, the, the inability to maybe pick up the phone enough. I don't know if you're seeing that or, or that, that seems to be what the, the area that, that they most need to help with that sales and marketing it's, side of it, things because they've built something that works. Yes,
0: access to market selling, actually going out. I mean, again, a lot of tech, Companies have a little bit of build it and they will come. We've got this great technology now. Everybody needs to kind of go. I mean, why is the phone not ringing? Why are they not kind of, well, who knows that you've got it? How are you communi- communicating this? I mean, are you kind of going in, out there? And um, quite often, again, technology entrepreneurs are a bit more introverts. Mm. It's to kind of go so that they need to surround themselves with extroverts to kind of go, who are happy to kind of go and start singing their praises. Who you can go out and kind of go and tell the story. That's actually what makes a great team, so yes I mean it's um, it's definitely the network that you've been going to use to, to for, for market access that's absolutely key and I think that is of course where in in, in particularly kind of in South Africa a lot of the the, the problems come because you, you simply have people who are extremely well networked people who went to the right kind of school who kind of went and, and are exposed immediately much easier to a network that matters and others who don't you have to really go and build network. And again, if nobody has mentored you, if nobody has taught you about the value of network, you just don't know about this. I mean, my children are always quite amazed when I kind of go and tell them how important a network is, and that they even already now at school, to some extent, are building their future network. And that you, for example, don't burn bridges. Mm. It is something that you really kind of go and, and shouldn't do. I mean, I'm not saying if somebody if you don't want to talk to somebody anymore but this burning of bridges is something that be very very careful about this because you just never know and, and and just be genuine never be mean do the right kind of things uh i think it's something that you have to go instill in somebody from a very very young age because you really
1: you never know for sure yeah i think it's um For for some people, it's built in them to network. For other people, it's a little bit harder. And obviously, what we, you know, I think you you're very passionate about networking for women as well. Women are generally really good at networking, but you know, there's not too many women the same extent in tech like you. So I know that you you you're a big proponent of women in tech and and more networking. But
0: yeah, I'm actually not really sure whether women are so good at networking outside of their. Of their network, so to kind of go and go into other networks. Um, I think men mm. quite often actually have a slightly different, um, maybe confidence to kind of go and, and 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 do this. I find women are good at networking within women networks, but um, it's it sometimes that becomes something where, where you need to kind of go and start get outside of your comfort zone and just go and and and. and, and Stand your man. i kind going of to go and, 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 and do so. Now, I mean, for me, it, it is very interesting. Coming as a foreigner into South Africa, I didn't have a network. I needed to kind of go and start building this. Right from the start, being in a very Czech-heavy industry, from, from the start, there were a lot of... So I, I was the foreigner. I was the only woman. Quite often, I was the youngest. So I had to kind of go and get out of all those kind of things and somehow find find my place and find my voice and find that we're going how they're going to go and, and do this and yes i saw a lot of interesting things Like first of all like for example i have to unfortunately say that other than my mother i never had a woman helping me it has always been men who helped me because there were no other women who could kind of particularly in my particular my work environment who could kind of go and mentor without me, that's one of the things that I kind of said. So I want to be, I, I want other women to not have that problem. So I'm very happy to kind of go and, and, and help and, and do. But they also need to kind of go and understand that when, when you want to go and compare apples to apples, then you need to kind of go and they also be prepared to kind of go and do the same things. You need to kind of go and, and play the game, the same kind of rules. I mean, I um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of things around being, of course, a a career woman, but also of course being being a mother and and so on. And you need to kind of go and understand how to kind of go and, and combine all of this and and do it the same way as as everybody else. So it's 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 really trying to kind of go and um and yeah, I like to guide. I like to kind of go and help wherever I kind of go and can. But you also need to kind of go and stop making excuses for yourself. It's, um, it's, um, the world is, is, is tough outside and you need to kind of go and, and do what needs to be done.
1: I noticed that um, even in your pitch text and some of the things you've done before that you're as an organization, and, and, I, I, and I get it from this conversation as well. You're very clear on what to do and then what not to do. It seems like everything that that you, you position, it's like, so if you're going to network or drive networks, what are you going to do to add value yourself? So it's not just about what you can take. Um, is, is that, where did you learn that from? Because it, it is, you know, I, th- I think so important that you don't just take the one view of things. You've, you've, you're almost like a great journalist. You've taken this, 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 because they say, it's not always what you're doing that succeeds, but it also focus on the things, not what not to do is just as important as focusing on the things to do. And you seem to have made that a habit
0: well the 10,000 hour rule applies i mean and the gray hair doesn't come from from nothing so um sh- sure if there's one thing i have learned is is to trust my gut feeling i've learned that to, to be successful both parties have to both parties have to win i'm not successful because i win and You know what short-term greed is the worst of it all you need to be long-term greedy meaning you need to kind of go and say well yes i will get my benefit out of it but that will come at some stage and not now and not immediate and i need to kind of go and help and contribute now to really kind of go and 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 do this and it has to be it has to be a give and take it cannot just be uh, i find it very interesting um, for example, to go and see people who are in, who work for a great company, have a big name behind them and start thinking because they have this name behind them, they get every meeting they get and then they leave they leave the organization and they see nobody wants to talk to them and have to kind of realize it wasn't because of me, it was because of the type that I had behind my name and um you know what people do business with people and can be faked. Sure, we can fake it up to a certain amount. Is it worth faking it? Um, once in a while, yes, but in the, ro- in the long run.
1: You're going to have to change. We
0: are, where we are I want to do, I want to do business with people that I at least respect, that I like, and I want them to respect me. The liking, I mean, you don't have to be everybody's best buddy, but I mean, it, it comes back to trust, to respect. And you know what? It, it needs to be genuine. And, I'm also very genuine by now mm. who I don't like, who I don't trust. Mm. So I have refused to go and speak on panels because I don't want to sit next to a certain There will be certain, <laughs> certain things I will not do. I will not go and attend certain things. I will not go and do certain things because then again, I would be disingenuous if I was going to go and do this. So it is mm. about being clear about I think your own principles but then don't expect from others what you're not prepared to guarantee yourself.
1: For sure I mean I know that one of your big mandates is also to look at how do you grow tech and Africa and 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 so there's that, that on the one side there's like unearthing opportunities in Africa is is that directly linked to scaling those opportunities internationally or do you think that we can start bringing more organizations into, into Africa? Do you think that, or should I say, what do we need to do? Because I think most people agree that there's big opportunities, but it's not necessarily being realized at the moment.
0: So as a
1: German who
0: lives in South Africa by choice, I've always been asked, why do you do this? Why don't you go back to Germany? Why don't you go to go?" And for me, Africa, South Africa is this place of possibility of, you know, you can do so much. And I have had so many conversations traveling, when people kind of go and discount things because they are from Africa or like South Africa. And there's this part of me that just wants to prove that that's so wrong. and that <laughs> the challenge. That's <laughs> a nice little challenge that, I mean, you <clears throat> can actually kind of go and, and, and do this because it is a choice that I consciously make to go and stay in South Africa and actually go and prove to, to the world that amazing entrepreneurs can come from South Africa, can come from Africa and can compete with everybody kind of globally. Um, Now, are there challenges that come with this? Yes, absolutely. But I think we need the success stories and we need to go and tell them because that's going to go and attract more and more people. I think the world is intrigued about Africa. But Mm -hmm. being intrigued is not enough. Now we have to deliver. We have to execute. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can do this, if we can execute, if we can go and take things now to this next level, if we can Mm -hmm. go and show and demonstrate about the the way that we can turn around Africa in many different ways, the way that we can make this a, a... place where people want to kind of go and live and want to embrace those opportunities. We can do so much here. We, we've got the talent, we've got the, the natural resources, we've got the space, we've got the weather, we've got we, we've got so much. We just have to go and start executing and kind of, and so we can also start believing ourselves, and that's why you need success stories. And for me, that's the little thing that I want to kind of go and do. I want to create success stories, because success kind of, inspire success and it, 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 that's the little part that I play is is to find the right entrepreneurs and make them success stories that inspire it inspires a kid to kind of go and do the math homework and actually kind of go and say it's worth it we can do this just because I'm from Africa just means that actually I have all the opportunity and not the challenges.
1: So I mean we do see it right we see it with people who actually leave maybe not their businesses but individuals leaders. When we see them going overseas and they do really well, but we're not seeing enough South African companies scaling overseas. Why is that? Do you think, is it, is it because it's tough? Any environment is completely different. Is it, is it that, is it because of the, the lack of investment to scale in those areas? Is it because those networks are already f- functioning and they, and they trying to stop <laughs> our success internationally? Um, like the old boys club what 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 do you think needs to happen for us to improve the success rate
0: it's a combination of all of the above i mean i remember the first time i went to silicon valley and i attended a pitching kind of session there were 10 companies and out of the 10 companies nine didn't mention a market outside of california and I kind of started laughing, and when they asked me about my opinion, I said, Well, if they would have been in South Africa and they would have told me that not thinking about the market outside of the Western Cape, I would have thrown them out of the of the room, kind of saying you be afraid. <laughs> um, so I think the point is that we if we really want to kind of go and scale the South African market is most likely too small, and we have to go whether we scale into the rest of Africa, or whether we scale into through wherever. So for our entrepreneurs who are successful, they need to get out of their comfort zone. And it becomes an interesting thing because once you are successful in South Africa, you have a business that can allow you a great lifestyle. And come on, Cape Town is fantastic. So, I mean, you know what, do you really want to kind of go and, 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 do, and do the hard thing? So that's first of all, it's a big decision to kind of go and do that. And second of all, if you want to, you need to get into foreign markets. You need money for this. And for this you need hard currency, you need like dollars, you need real amounts. Now, if you think about the average size fund in South Africa cannot don't give you this. So you need to actually go and start raising real proper 5 million, 10 million dollars. And they are not 20 million dollars, 30 million dollars, because your counterparts internationally have done this. Now, again, this is difficult from South Africa and we have now a few that actually are managing to do this. And you can see those companies. They are international. They are now starting to kind of go and build them up. But they needed to go and go and find a lot of the money overseas, which is not easy. Where if you are overseas, it, it, it just, I think for, for a South African company to go and do it is so much harder. But those who are able to do it, they just have this fighting spirit. Mm. You know, if, because they had to fight for it, they value it more. Mm. And they have the right kind of attitude to kind of go and, and, and do this. And that's why I think South African companies and South African entrepreneurs are also so highly respected all over the world because it wasn't easy. And if you can achieve it, if you can do it, well, then you know what, then you have the right ingredients to be a super successful entrepreneur. Um,
1: I mean, I know that you get a lot of requests for, for funding and finance, and you're very particular about who you partner with. And we we know that this is not a you know a hundred percent success rate always. But also, some of the people that you didn't invest in—is there anyone that 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 sort of surprised you that that you didn't invest in but but came through? Sure, that's
0: always the one who got away. <laughs> Absolutely, um, there there are. No, I must say, there are some that got away and didn't invest, but quite often there was a certain reason why we couldn't, and I would have thought, and it's more like, a, I kind of knew that they would be successful. A pity that we couldn't do the deal at that point of time, but I, I kind of knew it. The ones that were that really surprised where I would have thought they would fail and didn't, actually, I can't come up, I, I need to think about this, no. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely, we can't invest in in, in in everybody, and there's definitely some companies where, in hindsight, I kind of think, damn, I would love to kind of go and, 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 and be in there. But um, as long as they're successful, I mean, every successful story counts. So if we are part of it or not, it's, it's not it's not that 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 critical. Um, but um, yeah, I think there's there's just. There's so many untold stories. I think it, 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 that's also an interesting thing. I mean, not everything that just goes into the into the broader kind of media is, I mean, is. is is good. There are so many, yeah, amazing stories and amazing entrepreneurs who are really doing things and making their mark and and and, yeah, building building those companies that we all aspire to be kind of
1: being part of and want to kind of go and and be associated with. So, um, yeah. That's, so, that's, what do you see? What do you what do you look for in those entrepreneurs? So the ones that you do invest in, the ones that you you could have, but you know, that lights your lights you up, the ones that you would maybe jump ship and join. What 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 is it? About? Is it there? The way they tell a story? Is it the way they in, you know inspire people within them? What it can't just be that.
0: It's something different for each one of them, but of course they need to um, they need to have a passion. So they need to have a certain subject matter expertise. They need to have a passion for what they're doing they need to be coachable and by they just need so i remember so once upon a time there was a company they were a cape Town company they were ahead of their market they were in something they were they they were like everybody could see when they did the pitch everybody's like this is the next big thing you can absolutely see this but the entrepreneur was absolutely not Coachable. And the moment you would question one of the things, you would become aggressive. And it's quite interesting. He went to every investor in our network and everybody rejected the company. And everybody said, I would love to be able to invest in this company. They just would have to go and take the entrepreneur out and put somebody else in. Because they are so on something, but I will never ever be able to work with this entrepreneur. And the, the company never raised funding and the company doesn't exist anymore. And it's really one of those where I, I like to say they were so 100% onto something that could have been fantastic and big. and it just So there is, there, is, there is a side of, I will not go and deal with that entrepreneur. Last year, I traveled with one of our entrepreneurs 33 days across the world to raise funding. To travel with someone 33 days around the world. Now, not in one go, but of you know what? I have to ask myself: Do I want to spend that much time with you? Is it worth my time? Forget about the company. Do I want to spend that much time with you? Mm. If I can answer that question with yes, then that's good.
1: They've done well to inspire you, because you're investing your time as well. I suppose you're going to be happy as well. It's not just about that. It can't just be about the money, because I you can make money in lots of ways. Time.
0: If I have to sit next to you on a plane for eighteen hours, and I hate spending time, I don't know.
1: <laughs> really, no. no. So they have to have a certain amount of charisma, honesty, and integrity. Integrity. And I mean, I think integrity is, is is a key part. Integrity. And do you see Cape Town still? driving growth for startups and tech in Africa? Do you still see it as the main place? Because of all the things you mentioned earlier, or are you seeing other places sort of coming through and, and disrupting that status quo? I
0: mean, Johannesburg is catching up. And then of course, sure, across Africa, there are definitely different hubs. There's a lot happening, but each country has got their, their own little flavor. What they really kind of go and what they focus on, what they are very, very good at, and, and so on. Um, so, I don't think that there is the one hub in Africa. I mean, Cape Town is not the one hub, definitely not. Cape Town is mm. the one for a certain kind of company, and there is others who are more the Johannesburg. I think to some extent, where you are defines you a little bit. So, uh, no, I wish I could, could say that Cape Town was the only one. It is definitely one of the key hubs in, in Africa. But mm. there
1: are absolutely others as well. I mean, is it is it that thinking that we need to create like a Silicon Valley with Silicon Cape to where you have that focal point where you have because we've got with, with Cape Town you've got universities you've got the lifestyle so you've got so many things going for us. Um,
0: you definitely need the ecosystem. It cannot happen in isolation, and you see very clearly that those hubs have this, they, they have their own universities, they, they they have enough corporates, they have enough uh, entrepreneurs, they have they built the kind of ecosystem around it, it is quite important, for example, that you can travel, there is an airport that gets connected to all over the world without having to kind of go and do too many stops, there's a lot of things that need to kind of go and come together, so mm-hmm. you definitely can't do it, but you struggle to do it in isolation, and if you want to scale an ecosystem, like a... If you want to become a hub, the ecosystem in total has to come. You need to have some investors. You need to have access to funds. It, it all needs to be there.
1: How do we get more investors like Knife Capital into Cape Town and South Africa?
0: By first of all, having more success stories, but more of all by the financial institutions, the pension funds, the um the government funds but them understanding that looking at the the example of israel years and years ago we need more funds and we need larger funds Mm. if the average fund size is 200 million rand Mm. and you normally have a limit that you can only invest 20 percent of your funds into one kind of company then you can calculate how much You can only go and give the company. Companies want to go and compete globally. We need, we need larger funds. We need more funds. Um, and unfortunately, venture capital as an asset class is still very much dependent on high net worth individuals. It's, it's the typical institutions that all over the world are funding venture capital. In South Africa, they're not. And I think what we need is they, they need other government needs to go and say, well, every pension fund has to allocate Whatever, two percent of their assets into venture capital, or whatever. So either it needs to be forced, or they need to kind of go and start understanding the power of venture capital as an asset class. And one to give the if we have more funds and larger funds, I think it doesn't help us to have hundred more small funds. We need some funds with real substance. They can pay that they can they can write the twenty million dollar check. No VC fund in South Africa can do this. Whereas the competitors of our companies are raising 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars. There is not one VC fund in South Africa who can write a check like this. So we are not giving our entrepreneurs the right side of wings to go and fly.
1: So, there needs to be, I mean, that, that was a thing that I heard. There needs to be more money investing in VCs, private equity, those sorts of things. Yes. Because without that, it's, it's almost like the, um, you know, uh, the, 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 you know, the triangle. you know, if the base is uh, wide, the, you know, the, the big amounts need to be bigger, really, yeah. for the for the base to be to yeah. be wider. Yeah. It was it was great speaking to you. I'm sorry I was a bit late. <clears throat> it was amazing to speak to you, um, and I, I certainly got a lot from this. Um, And I I hope everybody else did as well. So thank you so much for your time. And and we hope to see you. I don't know if they invited you to speak at Africa Tech Week, the team. I think it's the 26th of, 26th, 27th of November.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. But I'm looking forward to that.
0: Thank you.
1: Pleasure. Thanks so much.